Welcome to the Peak City Podcast. We're your hosts, Shane Reese, Alexis Jensen, Leif Jensen, Nick Bryant, Heather Taylor Petrovich, and I'm Amber Keister, Senior Editor of Carry Magazine. And today, I'm speaking with Beto Herrera, founder of the Mambo Dinamico Dance Company, based in Morrisville. Beto, who lives in Apex with his family, is a professional dance instructor. But along with teaching his students to salsa, he makes sure they know the history of Latin music and its impact on American culture. Lately, he's been sharing these lessons with a wider audience, giving everyone a better understanding of all the ways that music connects us. Well, thank you so much for making time this afternoon. I've been looking forward to speaking with you all day, so thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for the opportunity. I just wanted to start with a brief congratulations and, and really just the impetus for this profile in Carrie Magazine, the award from the Latino Diamante Awards for your work with the arts and culture in North Carolina. Congratulations on that. Well, thank you so much. Just briefly, you are obviously the founder of Mambo Dinamica. The honor from the Diamante Awards, it was quite an honor in a tough year. I see online that you've been doing a lot of things virtually, but tell me a little bit about how you and your dance studio have been reacting in 2020. Well, first of all, when we started hearing about the pandemic, I have family that lives in Ecuador and Italy and Spain and France. So I kind of already knew because of that those contacts that things in Europe and in, this, in South America were pretty devastating. It was just a matter of time for the outbreak to happen in, in the U.S. We decided on March 13th that we want to cancel all classes. This, is, this was even before the government even dictated to the quarantine and all the measures that they put afterwards. So we just canceled the classes before that. And yeah, so it was pretty devastating for me because I've been dancing full-time since 2004 when I uh, I left the Marines. But I never really had to cancel classes for this length of time. And uh, we have some students that actually are doctors and they work in, in some of the science labs at Duke University who are like, have close ties with the, the team that was uh, in charge of finding a vaccine. So we kind of like knew that information already. So um, a couple of days after, and they told us, yeah, this is not going to be a few weeks or a few months. This is going to be like a whole year. And at first, I did not want to believe it, but almost a year later, and we're still under the same circumstances. So it was, it was hard, especially with the dance company being doing really well. And we were supposed to have our best year because we already have some contracts drawn with a few universities, a few cities, and some um, organizations like Diamante that we want to have some big shows coming up. And we have been working for like two years to put it together. So that was pretty bad. So when we stopped teaching classes, I had this show already done. It was like a dance show slash historical type of adventure that it will bring the dancers all the way from the African rhythms and dances and how that evolved through time until it got here to the U.S. 
Uh, so I had done this research for many, many years, like about 15 years, and we were finally going to put it on the stage, right? So when because we do put a performance, one of my students and you suggested that I should do like a webinar series about that research. So that's why I started doing some webinars about the, that specific research. And then I have a few mentors of mine that have helped me through the research throughout the years as guest speakers for the series of the webinars. And we ended up having, I don't know, like, I think I have like 12 hours of webinars recorded from that, which is, is what's really cool, what's really great. And try to stay active with this. And the interesting thing is that because of my research, I have for years I have been invoking the idea for my peers and dance instructors and all dance company owners about the importance of the the roots of the dance, for um, you know understanding the cultural traditions and the folk element behind it. And then, you know, during the, in the pandemic, when the Black Lives Matter movement started to happen and there was like this woke sensation, you know, of, of different people, uh, I think at that point, for some reason, people started seeing the importance of the work that we have been doing for so long. So I want to say it was, it was good to hear that validation, of course, uh, but at the same time, kind of sad that all of this had to happen to receive that validation. So. Yeah, so I love that you brought up a couple things that I would love to explore more. One of the things that I love in your mission statement in your dance company is a Latin dance company which specializes in educating and spreading cultural awareness through Latin dance. I just love that it's so broad and you know not that music and movement isn't wonderful but yet I love that it has that added depth to Mm -hmm. understand the culture behind where the dance came from I would love for you to talk about how is taking your classes being able to dance to this music helped the students gain an appreciation for this art form yeah so I want to say that everybody that comes into into the studio, they they all have different objectives. Some of them they just want to have a hobby. Some of them they just want to like meet somebody. You know, it's part of it. Uh, uh, some of them want to be part of a social element or social club. And some people are really interested in just like dancing. You know, so so I. I um, as an owner of a business, you know, I have to be able to provide people's needs to, you know, to have different needs, right? But what I have noticed is, is that they usually, for the majority of them, they become very interested in the stories behind where this movement comes from. You know, like, for instance, like, if I bring my hand up, it depends on how I bring it up. It can, it can mean something different. Like, for instance, in Yoruba culture, uh, the, the Yorubas have different deities of spirituality that they all represented something different in nature. If you actually can draw a line from the Yorubas and great gods, and they have, like, basically they represent the same thing. Some of them have the same tools and wear the same colors. So it's really interesting to see how this has, could go, this has gone through from one country to another one and inspire or influence other cultures, right? So it's interesting, for instance, like, and I try to explain to people, for instance, there is a 
Ajaruba got called Changong. Okay, and Changong is like very strong, very manly. So when he brings his hand up, it's like there's nobody better than me. Very arrogant, right? Because he's beautiful and he's, he's all powerful. And then when, for instance, if you bring the hand like, like this, this is Oya, which is the goddess of the of the wind. So that, those mannerisms are going to signify something different culturally for people that know what they're seeing, right? So they start that, that element. And why do we dance? Now, why do we move our hands the way that we dance right now? It's because it has come from all these different religious practices 600, 700 years ago that, um, that have been repeated, and now they have just become a norm that we do it. A lot of times we move, we make this movement just naturally without really thinking about it too much, you know, like where they come from organically. But there's a reason why this movement is, is in our DNA and we express it. Connections that we have to do with the music, the movement, and who you are. Because at the end of the day, everybody is going to interpret the music as they feel it, right? One of the things that you spoke about is your former career in the Marines. And one thing that I found interesting in your bio is that you did one of these presentations with the Veterans Administration in Durham. So can you describe how you worked with veterans? Describe that effort. I would love to hear about it. Yes. So I have done a couple of different things where the veterans, one in Durham and one in Fayetteville, actually. And the one in Durham, they wanted to entertain the people that were at the hospital, of course. So we went there as an entertainment, dancing in front of them and having a little escape. So we did that, but I was also invited as a guest speaker at the VA hospital in Fayetteville. And they wanted to talk to me about my story in particular as a veteran and also as a disabled veteran because when I was in, in service, I suffered a car accident. I broke a different bone from my right side. So I was medical discharge from the Marines after four and a half years of service. So they wanted to share my story and how when that happened to me, I kind of like got deeper into finding out about my culture. Mm-hmm. So they wanted me to talk about that, like my experience and, and what dancing has brought to my life. And I talked about, about like building a community, the support, have that support system, just moving itself, it makes you feel that you're alive, you know? So that's, that's part of the story that I share with them, which is, uh, it's kind of hard to go back and see some disabled veterans that, you know, that's trying their best. And it's unfortunate that they don't have the resources or as much as resources that they need to be able to fight for their situation. Do you mind sharing a little bit about that experience? I mean, I read in your bio about the car accident, but I didn't realize the connection that dance had with bringing you back to yourself. Can you talk a little bit about that experience? Yeah, I'm, I don't mind. I already had an emotional breakdown when I was telling the story from the veterans, so right now I'm, I'm good. <laughs> so the accident happened on December 15 of 2002. And I was driving from Raleigh because I was dancing and seeing somebody in, in Raleigh back to the base in Cambridge, North Carolina. It was very early in the morning, like uh, 4.30 in the morning. And I needed to be there at like a 5.30. And I was just like 20 minutes away from base. And I fell asleep. 
and a crash, like crash, and they found me a few hours later on a ditch right next to a creek, and they airlifted me all the way to the New Hanover Trauma Center in Wilmington. I woke up a few days later, finding out that I could barely move. It's not a shock for me because before that, I had never had any type of serious injury, not even a stitch. So it was like from feeling like Superman to feeling like a block, right? So it was quite uh, awakening for me. At that point, I was already dancing. I was already teaching, but it was nothing that I took it as serious. I didn't know that I was going to make it a career. But I remember I started taking physical therapy, and the doctor told me that I was not going to be able to play soccer. I was a, a really good soccer player, but maybe I can still dance. So, but I started like, dedicating more time to dancing and researching, and they always going to call me for me to find out about the music and about the culture, but in a science, I was always trying to find out on myself without realizing it. So, uh, so that was good for me, and that's what helped me get out of depression that I had. I do have one final question because I realize our time's about up and I don't want to keep you. So one thing that I wanted to talk to you about was this past summer, I noticed that you were involved with the African and Afro-Latin Dance Association. And one of the goals of that group was to address inequities and promote diversity in dance industry. Can you just explain a little bit about that group and its mission? Were you one of its founders? Yes. Yes, I was one of the founders along with uh, Kimberly Nicole, which is another dance instructor in the area. She teaches this Angolan social dance called Kisomba, which Kisomba itself is, has such a cool history of uh, persevering, perseverance and, and fight for equality, which is pretty cool. So we had this conversation about what was happening in the world, especially with the Black Lives Matter movement. And we started seeing a lot of racial tensions happening in our community. We have a great community, but it doesn't mean that we're safe for things like this to happen. You know, again, we want to have all type of people in our community. So we just need to create a safe place for everybody to be able to enjoy the community, enjoy the art, and have a structure to keep them safe. Uh, or like if something happens, how can we handle those situations and so forth? Thank you, Beto, for spending this time with me. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. And now, the news with Nick. Thanks, Amber. First off, a huge congratulations to all the winners from our local high schools to SWAC's postseason awards. Best team is Apex Friendship, along with their coach, PJ Lohman, and player of the year, Kenny Nolan. First team awards were Kenny Nolan again from Apex Friendship, Travis Suggs from Middle Creek, Trey Barbie, from Apex High School, second team, Luke Proctor from Apex Friendship, Nathan Kiger from Middle Creek, Sam Martin from Apex High School, third team recipients are Gabe Proctor from Apex Friendship, Brandon Isle from Middle Creek, and Patrick Marlett from Apex High. For those of you looking forward to warmer weather and potentially getting outside more, the Apex Farmers Market will be back and open for in-person shopping starting March 20th. The market will continue every Saturday through the fall, 9 a.m. to 12 noon. Also on March 20th, the Apex Economic Development Team 
will be hosting alongside with the Apex Downtown Business Association's Seasons on Salem. This will be an opportunity to support all of the amazing small businesses in downtown Apex. You will be certain to find many specials and sales happening throughout the day. Be sure to enjoy some food and drink as well while downtown. Which brings us to March 29th, when we will see some of the parallel spots transition to outdoor dining again for the restaurants. Parking to dining was a very successful initiative the last time it was up. Make sure to take advantage of all the businesses in downtown Apex while enjoying the warmer weather. And don't be afraid to bring a deck of cards or a board game to enjoy the tables if the restaurants are closed. But be respectful, please. Next, the town is currently in the search process for both a town manager and police chief. These are very important positions with the town, so if you'd like to add comments, you can find questionnaires at the town's website, apexnc.org. And to finish out today, John Brown, our longtime Parks and Rec director, retired in February. John spent 35 years with the town. He oversaw and helped many of Apex's amenities become what we enjoy today. To thank him for that, the mayor and council approved the naming of the community center, the John M. Brown Community Center. Thanks to John and all of his efforts over the years. And for now, thanks so much for listening to the Peak City Podcast and see you next month. Thanks for listening to the Peak City Podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen. You can also find us online at peakcitypodcast.com and on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We'll see you in the peak. Yeah.